What is going on, everyone? This is Miles with Windows Central Gaming, and welcome to the 77th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Today, I am stoked to be joined once again by my good pal, industry analyst, Benji Sales. Benji, how are you doing on this fine Saturday, my dude? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be back on my third time on Xbox Chatterdays. I'm very honored and thankful to be a recurring uh, guest here. Uh, really excited for today. We've got some awesome topics to talk about, man. So thank you so much for having me on. And I'm stoked. Third time. So that's right. Welcome to the three timers club. <laughs> one, one of the rare folks <laughs> who have been on three times. Again, stoked to have you on. It's a It's been a great week, especially when it comes to video game news and developments. We do have a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about the July 2022 MPD results. We're going to be talking about a PlayStation exclusive coming to Game Pass. We're going to be talking yeah. about Embracer's acquisition spree. We're going to be talking about the Marvel and Disney showcase. We're going to be talking about Gamescom. We're going to be talking about Diablo 4 and so much more. But before we get into all of that, for the amazing people who maybe didn't catch your first two appearances, let them know who you are and where they can find you. Yeah, so I'm Benji Sales. I cover the video game industry. I kind of like specialize on like the sales, business, data, social media side. Uh, that's mainly what I cover. I cover pretty much everything within games, but that's kind of my specialty. Um, you know, Twitter, YouTube, all of that stuff. And uh, I love doing it. So if you're looking for like some analysis on numbers and stuff, that's kind of my forte. Yes, if you are into the juicy numbers, Benji is on Twitter a lot, giving you those juicy numbers, providing a little context as to why they're important, and you do a lot of amazing work. So I'm excited to have you ah, on. Thank you. <laughs> in particular for this week, because there are some juicy numbers that we'll be diving into. Some quick housekeeping before we get started today. Gamescom, next week, opening night live, Tuesday, y'all. That is coming up super quick. If you are excited, if you are looking to get all of the latest up-to-date news surrounding Gamescom, be sure to tune into windowscentral.com. We'll, we'll have a lot of comprehensive coverage of the event. If you are watching live on youtube.com slash windowscentralgaming, hit that like button, share it out, and if you are listening on audio services and you enjoy the show, take a second, leave us a review. With all of that being said, Benji, let's dive straight into the big one, the one that kind yeah. of percolated at the end of this week took twitter by storm people are yeah. feeling betrayed people are feeling slighted there's been a lot of passionate takes on this and this mm -hmm. all started with the pc game pass twitter account updating its profile image earlier this week and a lot of you know internet sleuths zoomed in on that and said <laughs> wait a second that looks suspiciously like a scene or environment from death stranding is yep. Game Pass getting Death Stranding? And throughout the week, they were just making it more and more obvious. Updating that banner basically every day with a mm -hmm. slightly different image from Death Stranding. And then on Friday, we got the confirmation that Death Stranding, the former PlayStation exclusive title, is coming to PC Game Pass on August 23rd. So, mm. Benji, how did this news hit you? Were you ever expecting this former PlayStation exclusive to come to Microsoft's subscription service? <laughs> no. So like when this very, very first started kind of blowing up on the internet, like you said, at first it was just an image, which looked quite a bit like Death Stranding. But like when it very first started going around, you like weren't 100% sure. And I was like, this is going to be crazy because Sony actually owns that IP, which makes it a little bit different than uh, like MLB The Show. MLB The Show was pretty crazy when that came. But like 
you know, technically, even though it's a PlayStation studio making MLB the show, they don't own the MLB, right? So it's not something that they themselves own. Um, so when it was first bubbling, I'm like, man, Sony literally owns this. That's going to be crazy if it goes over. Uh, I know they didn't, you know, publish it on PC, but uh, it was definitely a surprise. It caught me off guard. And then it, it became, like you said, pretty obvious once they started adding like the rain to mm-hmm. it and stuff. You're like, okay, I know exactly where this is going. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that Xbox sees this as a big deal too, considering how they teased and built it up. I think they were pretty stoked that they got this. Yes, it is. It's been really fun to see the conversations around it because there's a lot of people who are past love Death Stranding. Talk about Me? how it, I love yeah. it. It's it's a game I admittedly I haven't finished because mm-hmm. it is long, but yes. I started playing it when the director's cut came out on PS5, and that was my first foray into it. Mm-hmm. And I had my concerns about the you know the walking sim gameplay elements and how that would all come together. But I've played about 20 hours of it, so I still have mm-hmm. a ways to go. But it is such a cool, unique experience. And again, that's why you know regardless of how you feel about Kojima as a developer or director in the games industry. I appreciate him because he's willing to get weird. He's willing to do oh, some yeah. stuff we haven't seen before. And he's willing to really commit. He's like, I'm going to make a game where you are just carrying packages. You are going <laughs> to use ladders. You're going to use rope. And most of the gameplay mechanics are going to be you trying not to fall while carrying mm-hmm. packages. And on paper, you're like, what? That sounds yep. so lame. And then you <laughs> yep. play it and you're like, oh my God, he did it. The man did with it. A, with an ultra bizarre story happening at the same time. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. With just uh, again, love, love the man for just getting weird, not afraid to just get absolutely wild with the story. So mm-hmm. it is really interesting to see this come to PC Game Pass. And yeah. this is something that I talked about. I think it was last April when when the, the maybe it was the Luden shelf conversations were happening and people were mm. speculating on, oh, man, what does the Luden statue mean? <laughs> and so now it's come come background twofold we have the kojima xbox project confirmed and we have death stranding on game pass confirmed that's one of the things i talked about and i had people say well doesn't sony own the ip didn't they publish the game how would that all come together and i think because 505 handled the pc version xbox was able to work out a deal with 505 as opposed Mm -hmm. to playstation and say hey y'all how are you feeling about getting uh, Death Stranding on the old PC side on Game Pass? And so that kind of segues into this next question. Do you think PlayStation had any say in this deal? Or do you think this was just strictly 505 and Xbox coming together and making this happen? And PlayStation found out basically via the Twitter teaser. <laughs> so I, like when this very first started, like it was very clear it was Death Stranding. I was having the exact same question. I'm like... How does this come together? Because we have pretty ample evidence both through, you know, some of the rumblings behind the scenes Mm -hmm. about Sony paying for stuff to not get on Game Pass when they have marketing deals. We very first started finding that out quite a while ago, by the way, with Resident Evil Village. When that uh, contract leaked out, there was wording in there that they could not go to Game Pass. So we've known for a little while that that was a thing. 
Um, and this is a game that they literally own. So I'm like, how did this happen? Like, I knew 505 published the game, but I thought there must be some sort of language in there that since Sony owns the IP that they, like, still have final say. But there must not have been, because I can't see Sony agreeing to this. Because, A, like you said, we already know about some payment things happening. And then, B, there's the whole argument that's going on in court right now where Sony's trying to make claims that Game Pass is basically impossible to compete against. Uh, for a subscription service. So it doesn't seem like they'd be in a rush if it was up to them to put their game on the service. Uh, I know there was a report out of, I think, Push Squared today that they said that they had a uh, someone from Sony comment to them that they weren't involved, that it was just 505. So if that's true, it doesn't surprise me because I'd be much more shocked that if Sony like agreed to this willingly. It seems like it was all 505. Yeah, again, I, I absolutely agree. It would be an absolutely wild turn of events if PlayStation <laughs> come out and said, yeah, we knew about it. We wanted to te <laughs> test the waters, see, see how it does, see if we can pull some users in. No, yeah. I don't think that's the case. It sounds similar to the MLB The Show deal. Again, this I don't know if this has ever been confirmed by anyone, but the report surrounding that release was that MLB was actually the one pushing for the Game Pass inclusion. Yeah because they saw the growth, they saw the momentum from other big third-party publishers, and they wanted to put the game in there. And since they are the, pub the publisher in this case, they were able to make that happen, even though this was a PlayStation-developed title. So this yeah. is We've had two noteworthy PlayStation, either developed or published games, <laughs> come to Game Pass, which is really, yeah. really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep, and neither one I don't think Sony was thrilled about. <laughs> No, would be no. my guess. Because as you touched on, there's been a lot of juicy drama coming out of the Brazil hearings. A lot of quotes about how PlayStation feels about Game Pass, how yeah. Microsoft believes that PlayStation has paid to block developers from putting games or allowing games to be on Game Pass. So there has been a lot of dramatic back and forth, I imagine, <laughs> behind the scenes when it comes to how PlayStation perceives Game Pass. Because I. Yeah. We touched on this a little bit last week, but I do believe that PlayStation's comments about not being able to compete for years with Game Pass on a one-to-one -one level are genuine. I feel like their business model has not been structured that way, and to see that service gain momentum and success, that's, that puts a lot of pressure on you. And you, you, yeah. you, you don't want to see these big deals happen because, again, that puts even more pressure on you. So how are you feeling about Sony's future you think they are going to evolve and adapt a model eventually that gets closer to game pass or are they going to just double down on their current strategy it's kind of hard to say i i personally right now still think like you know because there's been a debate really ever since game pass became a thing if sony was going to put their big first party games on a subscription service because it is such a big move right yes. once you heard xbox make that it was like I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, it's hard to remember now that we're used to it. But when that happened, that was like a shocking announcement. It was like, what? You're going to put all of your games day one on the subscription service? So it's like there's always been this debate. Is Sony going to go the same way? I, I don't know that it's necessarily impossible that we see it one day. I still think, though, that that is I think they're going to battle it tooth and nail. I, yeah. <laughs> I think they do not want to go that way. If we ever see Sony putting like God of War on a subscription service day one, I think it would be like a scenario where they were forced into it to where it's like they had to go to that set. I don't think they want to. I think they want to push that future as far off as they possibly can. So I, I feel pretty good about their future uh, because I just think that the business models are super different and they might both be able to carve out success in different ways. 
Um, but we'll have to see. It, this whole thing is still, you know, firing up right now. Like we don't have the final answer about uh, how it's all going to shake out because as successful as Game Pass has already been, we still haven't seen a ton of the first party hit. You know, I'm very curious once we start to see Starfield on the service, Call of Duty hit the service eventually, Diablo, like what those subs start to go to. Because uh, if they start to get through the roof, you know, Sony definitely might have to get more, com- you know, aggressive with competing uh, with the subscription. Yeah, because we can look at Xbox's output since Game Pass has been revealed, and there's fair criticisms about their first-party offerings and the titles mm-hmm. that have come day and date. We've had huge standouts, like Years 5. Yeah. absolutely love that. Forza Horizon 4 and 5 have both yep. been massive, gargantuan hits. Um, but I don't think, in a lot of ways, Microsoft has put a ton of pressure on Sony first-party-wise with Game Pass. But like you said, once a, a title like Starfield hits... Yeah. You're going to have people who, you know, they were originally going to buy that on PlayStation. There's going to be a lot of people who are figuring out, like, I don't have an Xbox, but I'm going to figure out a way to play Starfield. That, yep. is, that is the the weight that that particular game has. And once Xbox starts getting more of those and mm-hmm. Xbox starts having those games that are undeniable, undeniably must plays for huge audiences, yep. yeah, that is going to put pressure on Sony. And I imagine behind the scenes, they are working to have a plan in place where they can adapt. They can evolve the business to have day and date. Like you said, if need be, but for the yeah. time being, they're going to lean into the value proposition of the titles they make. They're going to lean into the quality of the titles that they put out. And they're going to yep. use that as a justification for the $70 price tags, the, the quality of their platform. And then like, like, like we talked about maybe a few years down the road, they have that big moment where they come out and say, all right, y'all, <laughs> We we know PlayStation is aligned and synonymous with the best games in the industry. And now, <laughs> because of all of your loyal support over the years, we can offer games day and date, our biggest games day and date in our yeah. PlayStation Plus premium tier. And everybody goes, yeah, woo, just explosion. And then they get yeah, that yeah. big PR win where like, we're not, you know, we were concerned early on about, you know, the quality of our titles taking a hit. Yes, that's what they've said repeatedly. We have adjusted our business so that we can ensure our games will not take a quality hit. The, the, the quality of our games will remain consistent and we can offer an increasing value to our customers. <laughs> I think that- This that is great. Do- this, that- is, this is great. You should just be writing it for them. <laughs> yeah, you know, come on. I got the, the that PR document, that statement. It's just, it's drafted somewhere at PlayStation headquarters, just ready. Just ready for yeah. the day or like, all right, we can do it. We can swing it because yeah. obviously with Xbox and Microsoft's backing, Game Pass is way more possible than it is for a lot of places. Because 100%. A, a lot of big publishers don't have that huge financial backing. And the reality is the upfront cost to start a successful subscription service and to put your biggest games in day and date out of the yep. gate the reality is PlayStation comments about people it being impossible to compete aren't that off. It's yeah, that's the hardest ask. part is getting it going. You know, once once Microsoft can get up to, you know, 50, 60 million Game Pass subscribers or something like that, you know, if they're headed that direction, like, you know, you start to 
you start to be in a really good spot. But like you said, kicking it up before you're getting tons and tons of money in, you know, mm-hmm. you see this with all of the big subscriptions, even like in media, those initial, you know, capital burns, you're going through a lot of money. Um, one thing I will say, even though I do think Sony's going to try and fight as hard as possible, as long as possible to go against day one, I do think this gen in the next couple of years, you will see games hit the PS plus premium much faster than in the past. Cause it used to be a lot of their first party. It could take years potentially to get onto like PS now and stuff. Now I think you're going to see a lot of those games hitting within, you know, 12 to 18 months within that year, year and a half. I day one, they're going to push as far as they can, but I think they will move up the window on how quickly their games hit the service. I agree. I absolutely agree because the reality is with a lot of their biggest games, there are a ton of people who won't even wait six months. Even if yeah. even if the turnaround is six months, you can still yeah. get that that day one pop. And we've seen that with a lot of Game Pass titles as well. There are no mm-hmm. bigger, noteworthy third party Game Pass titles are launching, and then six months later comes mm-hmm. around that Game Pass deal. Kind of like yeah. bolster that. And again, I think they a lot of people are seeing that they can still get that initial pop, that sales hit, and then still pull in new people six months later, still get that supplemental income. So yep. I do totally agree. I think PlayStation is going to shorten that window more and more to stay yep. competitive. Because all Absolutely. they can do right now in the interim is control their controllables, and they're not going to yep. be able to just sit on a dime say, oh, here you go, God of War Ragnarok, day one, <laughs> PlayStation Plus. I mean, it'd be amazing, but yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't and won't do that. Yeah, uh, no. But once they get in a position where they can, they can handle it, I think they'll dabble. And I think we yeah. will start seeing more day one release, even if it is, you know, one of these 12 games as a service titles that they're currently yeah. working on. Now, that is an interesting point. Some of the games as a service stuff that you might see hit day one before the single player stuff, because as we know, you know, games as a service, it's all about getting as many people in the door as possible. Mm-hmm. So that is a great that is a great point. The single player stuff, I think, is a little bit further out, but I won't be shocked if you see, you know, like a big multiplayer project day one on uh, PS Plus Premium. That would not surprise me. And while we're on this subject, we got we to gotta touch on PC. Got to touch on PC day and date. Because there have been mm-hmm. a lot of people that have sworn up and down that PlayStation would never, it would <laughs> never do day and date between PS5 and PC. And mm-hmm. in recent months, we are seeing a lot of push into the PC space. Sure, some of these are older ports, but with the Last of Us remake announcement, the reveal trailer straight up says yo pc version coming very soon yeah first first game from them to do that too Uh uh-huh the first game that initially with the reveal they were telling you it's coming to ps5 and pc Mm -hmm. what i'm gonna ask you is when is playstation doing day and date between (laughs) console and pc well just like we were talking about with games as a service stuff i think that's coming very soon very soon i think that some of these games as a service multiplayer projects they're working on potentially even that the last of us multiplayer game we need to see you know i'm not for sure saying that i will not be shocked if once that game is fully revealed it's pc day one and ps5 um multiplayer projects it is all about getting that recurring revenue getting people in the door getting those battle passes season passes microtransactions you want the biggest audience you can possibly get for those games so multiplayer stuff, I think it's coming soon, like potentially next year. You see a day and date um, PS5 and PC game from a first party studio. Single player, I do think it's coming. I think it will be this gen. 
Um, but I think it'll probably be still a couple years. I think they're still going to try, you know, while the PS5 install base is building, I think they're still going to try and build that initial install base as big as possible. But I think towards the end of this generation, as that install base kind of starts to, to peak, I think you're going to start to see them, you know, more rapidly put these games day one. So I think right now they're going to be quick. Like you said, that Last of Us remake, that's the first game we've seen from a first party you know, Sony announced and be like, hey, it's already in development for PC. We haven't mm-hmm. seen that before. So I do think that window is going to be pretty short on a lot of games. But I think day one, they'll push a little bit until that PS5 install base is bigger. Yeah, we're going to talk more about this particular title later on in the show. But you touched on the fact that successful multiplayer games now, they need to be everywhere. They yep. need to be on as many platforms as possible. And this idea of buying exclusivity for multiplayer focus games makes far less sense in this current landscape than it does. We look at the Mm -hmm. PS4 and Street Fighter. The last Street Fighter title wasn't exclusive. Uh, And then you look at WB's Multiverses, which is just free to play in anywhere. And that is the biggest fighting game ever. (laughs) The biggest fighting game launch of all time. Just demolished Street Fighter. Demolished Mortal Kombat. And again, nobody really saw that coming, but I think a lot of people are understanding that your multiplayer game can be more successful and more importantly, make more money if you are willing to take the concession and say, all right, it's not a true exclusive to our console per se, but it's still a published title and every single dollar that is made in this game, we get a piece of. Yeah. Yep. I agree. hundred percent. Just look at all the biggest multiplayer games, Apex, you know, Grand Theft Auto, uh, Fortnite, they're on as many platforms as possible. Mm-hmm. Having a, a, a strictly multiplayer game, especially with PC, you know, I don't know necessarily know that you have to put it on every single console. Like if you know if you're a platform holder, but you at very least need that PC uh, player base because it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. It really is a lot. We're seeing this as much as we focus on the console side. When we look at sales data, when we look at concurrent players. And on most cases, the PC market is bigger than like Huge. PlayStation and Xbox combined in a lot of cases. So you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you're just completely ignoring that space. Yep. Yep. Look at Apex. Apex just hit half a million concurrent on Steam, on just Steam for Apex Legends. Uh-huh. It's like counting, counting console. So it's a huge multiplayer fan base there. All right, let's transition into some other you know, concerns that the community has levied this week because we got a new quarterly update for Diablo 4. And if you're mm-hmm. unaware, the, te- the development team of Diablo has been very transparent about their goals, their ambitions, how the game is going to play. So if you've been a Diablo fan, they've done a really good job of giving you one big news drop every quarter. There was one this week that focused on monetization, which again, in the old gaming sphere, no, it's an ugly word. People don't want to hear about what you're going to be charging them outside of the initial buy-in. But we did get some details about what to expect with the 4. So, as we all know, there have been a lot of controversies with Diablo Immortal. People have yeah. been very unhappy about the, the pay-to-win mechanics, about the monetization. Uh, and again, a lot of that was pitched early on as being cosmetic-focused. Um, mm. And that's kind of shifted. As we know, there are there are items that you can buy that can make you more powerful. So with all of that controversy, the Diablo team has detailed what we're getting. So it will have a season pass with paid and free tiers. Each season roughly will be three months. They're trying to do four per year. 
There will be a premium shop where players can buy cosmetic-only items. And the team has promised that you will not be able to, quote, pay for power in Diablo 4. So, Benji, when you're hearing these buzzwords, when you're hearing these phrases, how are you feeling about the monetization? Because it's safe to say that Diablo 4 will be a $70 game. Yeah. As you noted, monetization is always going to be a very touchy subject. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be especially true with Diablo, right? Even dating back all the way to Diablo 3, you know, there was all the drama with the original auction oh, house. yes. That yeah, was... so, so this has been a, a thing around Diablo for quite a while. You had all the way back to Diablo 3 early on. Luckily, they ironed those things out, and eventually people came around, and, and Diablo 3 was in a good spot. But early on, there was a lot of, you know... it discussion and anger around that original auction system that they had and then you saw diablo immortal which as we all know that you know that caused all kinds of issues so they need to be really careful because the thing is is that uh blizzard real really needs a win right now they've had a rough last few years in general have had a pretty low output of new games and some of the stuff that has come out hasn't necessarily been beloved so they really, I feel like they're headed to a good spot right now. I think Overwatch 2 is looking great. I think Diablo 4 is looking great. But they really need some of these games to really hit. I personally uh, really like Battle Pass systems, I think, because the reality is, is that these games have to get recurring revenue one way or another. No matter what, the, these types of games as a service multiplayer games, you have to. Like, you, you got to get that money some way. Personally, this is just a personal thing. I think battle passes are, are one of the most fair ways of doing that. It gives the player base something to work towards. You know what you're getting as you level up. It's not a loot box or something where who knows what you're going to get out of it. As long as they keep this purely cosmetic and they don't go back on what they're kind of saying here, as long as it does not become a pay to win mechanic, um, I, I'm pretty much okay with it. They're paying for cosmetics, that sort of thing, it makes sense to me but they need to make sure that they're very clear in their messaging and in their final output. This is not going to affect your gameplay in a game like this because that will get them severe blowback because it wouldn't be the first time we've seen, like you mentioned with Diablo Immortal, where things kind of, you know, didn't pan out how they, you know, originally positioned it. Yeah, they never promised per se, yeah. but they were very careful with the way they marketed the monetization in Diablo Immortal. So that has a lot of people concerned fairly. I do agree. I think battle passes are very transparent for the most part. You have the yeah. entire list. This is what you're going to get. You have mm -hmm. to grind for it. You're paying to grind. But at the end of the day, you know exactly where your money is going. So yep. you are empowered to make that decision. If there's a cool carrot at the end of the stick that you want to grind for that you're stoked about, uh, you can do that. You can pay the usually 8 to $10 and you can grind for that. The premium only shop, again, if it is cosmetic only and you want to pay for the drip, whatever, people will. People definitely <laughs> yeah. will, as, Absolutely. as we've seen. And it's especially conflicting because Diablo 4 is sounding like it's trying to be more of an MMO. It's trying yes, to have a, I agree. a seasonal roadmap. It's trying to have ongoing content. And the reality is that that costs money to maintain. And yep. we know games like Diablo Immortal are making more money than they need to sustain themselves. And <laughs> yeah. obviously this is a business, so they're trying to make as much money as possible. Totally understand that. But there is this balance that has to be struck. And I talk, yep. I've talked about this with Joe Neat from Sea of Thieves and his team that, you know, they're trying to respect players' investments, respect their time, 
and they want to you know continue to add new features to the game support the game and make money and that's just the reality of it and yep the question now from the audience is going to be are you making absurd amounts of money and <laughs> investing that into the game or are you just making absurd amounts of money and yeah we'll just kind of have to wait and see in that regard but i don't think based on what they've detailed here that there are any inherent red flags for me compared to other games in the space yeah i i think the key is like you said it needs to be reflected if you're going to be doing stuff like this it needs to be reflected in the final game itself with improvements over time so as long as you're continuing to see like awesome each season's awesome you know you're getting a lot of new content yeah they're making a lot of money but it's very clear they're putting a lot back into the game you know i think it's pretty okay where you start to run into trouble is when you hit like a halo infinite situation where you know, uh, we, we don't know exactly what all is happening over there, but where, you know, you have a battle pass system and people are buying, you know, there's a lot of items in the shop, but a lot of players feel like they're not getting that content back into the game, yes. you know, really low amount of new maps and stuff like that. And I love Halo Infinite's gameplay. I absolutely love the way that game plays. But that's where you start to run into issues where people are like, hey, I'm buying these battle passes. There's all these items in the shop. Why have I gotten two maps in the last, you know, nine months or something like that? That as long as you, you know, they're consistent, good quality within each season, I think it'll be all right. Um, but they do have to make sure that that funds back into the game because if you start to hit a halo infinite situation that's where things get rocky yeah and i see somebody in the chat here or a few people asking if diablo 4 will be a games as a service and i think i don't know if they've used that phrase specifically but i think that's a safe comparison because this yes. will be an ongoing game it won't be a traditional diablo campaign where you have your four acts and there's an expansion two years later this will be seasonal and there will be new content mm -hmm. new dungeons new things to play uh, I've yep. talked to some people behind the scenes about what to expect from it. And this will be very MMO-y. This will be yep. way more multiplayer centric than, than Diablo 3 and mm -hmm. Diablo 2. And this will have way more consistent content. At least this is what they're promising is far more consistent content. Yep. Um, yep, completely. I think if you're a single player gamer, you'll still probably be able to get a lot out of the base game itself. But yeah, clearly... The, the long-term goal for this game is that people are playing for years and years and years multiplayer with their friends. Yep. So, uh, like I said, I'm sure you can pick this up on Game Pass or whatever day one, have a blast with it single player, just doing strictly the story. But yes, their long-term goal for sure. It's They might not say games as a service, but that's that's what they're doing. Yes, 100%. And I have seen a lot of people on Twitter very upset about these developments, about the, the battle pass, about the co premium cosmetic shop. And I think some of that stems from Diablo Immortal and that, that yeah. recent, the recent controversy there. Um, but really, when we're comparing it to other games in the space, Destiny 2, I think, well, not the same genre per se, I think that is the most obvious comparison when we look at ongoing RPGs and, yeah. and RPGs that are have that games as a service dynamic. And in my opinion, Destiny 2 has the worst monetization. But I don't ever hear anyone <laughs> complain about it on like a widespread level. But they're it's not still like, huge. It's crazy. Huge. Not yeah. only do they have a battle pass, they have a premium shop. They have dungeons that are locked behind paywalls. They have like legit content, expansions, campaigns locked behind paywalls. And again, because that game is so good and people love it, they just pay the money. They just, they just yeah. shut up and they pay the $100 plus per year that you need to pay to even play Destiny. 
Yeah. And, and, and I think back to what I was saying, you know, the, the, the thing is, is players are willing to, to spend a lot of times if they feel like they're getting stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, Destiny, you're spending a lot, but Destiny also, at least nowadays, you know, early on, there was so much drama around how slow Destiny was with rollout of content. Nowadays, you know, you're constantly getting new seasons, expansions, tons of stuff. So it, your player base will be on board with you, but you got to make sure that you're giving back to them lots and lots of content. Yes, and I think that is key. As long as you respect their investments, as long as you respect their time and give them things that they want to buy, as we've seen with countless games, people will keep dumping money into it. I've dumped so yep. much stupid money into Fortnite. And I don't even I like, like it. Fortnite. <laughs> like, I honestly, in the grand scheme of things, Fortnite's fine. It's, it's really fun, but it's one of those games where every time I log into the store, I see something like, oh, damn it. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z. I got, I'm buying Goku. I don't yeah. even play this game every day. I'll play it. I'll go months without playing Fortnite. And then they'll yeah. add Goku. And I'm like, well, I'm Dang back it. on my bullshit. Let's go. <laughs> and so, again, I've never felt bad about buying anything in Fortnite. And I think that's why people continue to invest money in it. Yeah. I've, I will say on Halo's side, as much as I love the gameplay of Halo, um, I did a report early on or an, basically an editorial early on about, I spent $80 on Halo Infinite, and here's what mm. I got. And I deta- and, yeah. I, and it was one of those times where I felt really bad about spending $80. Mm. Like, I looked at what I got for $80, and it was really disappointing. And again, mm-hmm. I think that's why there is so much pressure on Halo right now, is because yes. the value isn't there. They haven't figured yep. out that balance. Yep. Gameplay is amazing. I mean, I literally love the way Halo Infinite plays. I loved the campaign for Halo Infinite, um, but they gotta figure out their output over there. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean to anyone or anything like that. You know, making video games is really, really hard. Yeah. But they, they do just gotta find a way to where content's coming out quicker. You know, it, it is really hurting the game. How long we're waiting, you know, to get new maps and stuff. So it's hard to say if Diablo 4's monetization will be evil or egregious (laughs) or any of those terms we've seen thrown around on twitter it's really going to come down to what you get for what you pay for Mm -hmm. and that's tbd diablo immortal for a lot of people that wasn't that wasn't it but maybe they'll get it right next time and we'll just have to kind of wait and see one final question on the diablo 4 topic is we know it's coming early next year if you're throwing out a month when is Diablo 4 hitting, and do you think it's launching in Game Pass if this deal is closed? Okay, so two parts. First two of parts. all, I'll, I'll say the Game Pass part. Yes, because I think that acquisition will be done this year. So I think Activision Blizzard's going to get finished late this year. Um, at least all the rumblings are that's going pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. So you never know. It could get pushed into next year. Mm-hmm. I personally am thinking, though, that Microsoft will own Activision Blizzard by late this year. So that would be before Diablo comes out. So I personally do think this will be a day one Game Pass launch because I think they'll own them by then. <laughs> now, in terms of release date, um, I would avoid January through March because it looks like those first three months are going to be absurd because so much got pushed ah. into it from this year. Mm-hmm. I would go April or May if I was them. That's still early in the year. That's still, you know, even before halfway through the year. I think April or May might be a perfect slot for this game um, because you're a little bit past those first three months where it's going to be like a triple-A game every week, it looks like. So that gives you a little bit more breathing space. Um, It's going to be huge no matter what. I mean, it's Diablo. You could put this game next to just about anything and it'll be giant. 
But uh, personally, if I was like looking at it at a window right now, I would think April or May is probably a really good spot. That's what I'd hope for as well, because like you said, the fiscal quarter for a lot of companies ending in March of next year, it's going to be miserable for our wallets. It's, it's there's constant. So many huge games all contending for our time and our money at the exact same time. And I'm just beg I'm begging these publishers, please space them out. Just tell yeah. your investors, hey, we could potentially make more money if we just wait a couple months. Because that yeah. is the truth. That is the reality. Like some mm -hmm. people need to understand that no matter how big you think your game is, there's probably a game that's bigger for a lot of people. Look at yeah. the market, look at what's trending and just say, you know what? Let's just wait. It's okay. It's, re <laughs> it's really okay. I know we don't, a lot, gamers don't want to wait in a lot of cases, but yeah. I swear if Diablo comes out the same day or the <laughs> same week as Resident Evil 4, I oh, am God. going to, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably buy them both and then just be really upset. <laughs> That I, that I don't have time to play one of them. But yeah. that's the, that is what the start of next year is looking like. So I'm with yeah. you. April, May, please. And in terms of Game Pass, like you said, if this deal wraps up in the next couple months, I could see that being in place. I could see that deal mm -hmm. potentially happening because we know Xbox in particular has been marketing Diablo 4. Yeah. It's been at Xbox showcases. Xbox logos and branding slapped all over that baby. They want to let you know that this is associated with Xbox. And once that deal yep. closes, it's even closer associated to Xbox. Yep. But I will say that they're not going to be able to flip a switch once this deal closes. And boom, every because I'm I hear people saying that. Like once this deal closes, mm. all of the Call of Duties, all of this will be in Game Pass instantly. Mm, not necessarily. Like, no, no, no. It'll potentially, but that deal is so complicated and they're, they're yep. not allowed to be involved with the company in any capacity. So it's not yep. a matter of just saying, Oh, the deal's official. All right. Hit that button, <laughs> hit the button, hit the game pass button and all the Activision's libraries there. No, that's going to take months and months and months. There might yeah. be a small pop that they can, you know, tie into the first month as a like, mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Here's a couple noteworthy games that we were able to work. But the majority of that stuff is not going to happen instantaneously. So if yeah. it is a deal that happens Next year, let's say, to like close to the release date of Diablo 4, I don't know that that's going to launch in Game Pass. Mm, but yeah. if there is enough buffer and they have enough time, they will lean into that huge because that would be yep. a huge statement for this is what it means now. This is what it means that Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard. So you can yep. still play Diablo 4 on PlayStation. We're not taking the game away from anyone, but... You can save yourself 70 bucks by signing up for Game Pass. That alone is going to push a lot of people to Xbox flat out like that. Like, and I don't necessarily mean like to where Xbox becomes their main console, but to where they play Diablo. It's going to push a lot of people uh, Game Pass. I mean, that's going to be huge for them in the coming years. And like you said, uh, don't expect every single legacy Call of Duty and all of that to instantly be on Game Pass day one once this acquisition finishes, because even Bethesda, we didn't see all of that instantly hit you know, game pass. There was exactly. a, a lot of it came pretty quick, but I remember there's a couple games like evil within two that took a while to get over there and a couple others, because you don't necessarily know what sort of contracts are on some of these games, you know, that have been out for a little bit. They might have other deals in place. So it could, you know, I'm sure you're going to get some stuff really quick on the game pass, but I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that takes a little while to get there. Exactly. They're going to want to have that messaging pop near the acquisition closing. that says, boom, here's yep. a couple get excited. Yep. Game Pass is going to be an even better deal. 
but it, like you said, there are a lot of contractual things that we don't have the full grasp of, especially with a publisher as big as Activision Blizzard, yeah, who is, has their hands in you know a lot of different developers and publishers kind of lives. And it's, it's hard to say what those deals look like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Diablo 4, if that's in Game Pass, let's go. That would be such <laughs> a huge get. And I'll just say, I think it looks amazing. Every time they've shown this game, I'm like, dang, this looks good. <laughs> Dude, it's going back to the, the art style that I appreciate, because Diablo 2, one of my favorite games of all time. I also love Diablo 3. I know there's some mm-hmm. sentiment that people didn't like it as much, but for the most part, yeah, I loved, loved it. Love Diablo 3. But that art style, it was mm. not Diablo 2. It was not that yeah. gritty, dark, yep. disgusting, ugly Diablo <laughs> that I knew and loved. And now yep. they're going back to that. And they're yep. adding physics. They're adding 3D environments. They're really leaning into that. And it's, you know, it's like Diablo 3 was basically a remake of Diablo 1. This feels like a remake of Diablo 2 in a lot of ways. So, it does, yeah. Yeah, follow up to Diablo 2 for sure. Let's go. <laughs> all right. A huge shout out to all the amazing people joining us live. Uh, if you're digging the show, hit the like button. Share it out. We have a lot more amazing topics to dive into. And now we're going to transition into the July 2022 NPD results. We got a lot of juicy financial details this week (laughs) about how games are performing. Because there's been a lot of conversations about video game slump, about the market declining, woes of the recession impacting the industry. And so there were some interesting numbers that I want to touch on this week and some interesting developments surrounding that. But Mm -hmm. before we dive into those conversations... Let's break down exactly where the where all of these platforms and games stand. So on the hardware side, number one, baby, Switch. Somehow, yep. some way, Switch still just consistently selling. Just it's ridiculous. It. I want it to stop selling just so there's the pressure on <laughs> Nintendo to give me the Switch Pro, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right now there's zero incentive for them to even do it because it's still <laughs> just selling like crazy, but I want that Switch Pro. Number yep. two, PlayStation. PlayStation yeah. jumped back up. They got a little pop. They got some supply boons that helped PlayStation take the number two spot. And then at third, we have the Xbox Series consoles. Mm-hmm. On the game side, software, number one, and I'm, we're going to talk more about this because I thought this was fascinating. This is a surprise. Multiversus. Crazy. Number one. Yep. Number two, Elden Ring, still just holding it down. <laughs> Elden Ring still, what did it hit? 16.6 million units sold as of june june yeah so we're almost two months later so that's even higher now this game has probably by now done one billion (laughs) dollars i mean seriously it's crazy it's a juggernaut i did the math at 16.6 million units they were at 970 million so by now and i think the cheapest it's gone is like 45 bucks it hasn't even been steeply discounted yet so it's like to hit those kinds of numbers before you've even hit 30 dollars crazy Ooh, number three lego star wars skywalker saga four xenoblade chronicles three five call of duty vanguard that's an interesting one as well uh, yeah M- popped up mlb the show 22 mario kart 8 again the game that never leaves the top 10 just never a, a wii u game that was re-released on switch that is just one of the best-selling games of all time by a it- healthy margin can you imagine the profit margin on that? Because it yeah. wasn't even a new game. It no. was an already released game. Like they, they did a little bit of new stuff to it, like, you know, a little bit of enhancements, but it was essentially, trust me, very cheap to develop. Imagine the profit margin on that game. It's insane. Oh man, that 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 is the gift that Xbox and PlayStation both 
wish yeah. they had a Mario Kart 8 in their library. Yeah, for sure. Number eight is Digimon Survive. Nine, Minecraft. Ten, F1 22. All right, so let's talk about the hardware stuff first. Because one interesting thing, and you pointed this out on Twitter, is that both PlayStation and Xbox saw double-digit growth on the hardware side compared to last yeah. year. So do you think we are moving towards a world where it won't be impossible to get a PS5 and Series X consistently? Are we getting there? Yes, yes, we really, really are. Um, I had noted uh, on August 1st, I sent out a tweet, and this uh, this reporting period covered the month of July. So right after it ended, I said, uh, you know, because I watch all this stuff, and I was saying it's looking like, things are really improving in retail channels. Um, so I'm expecting some growth and it did double digit percentage growth for both of them. Um, I can tell you as somebody that pays attention to all these retail channels, stock, all that stuff, it is definitely improving. I think uh, I'm pretty confident, honestly, by next year, uh, shortages will be mostly wrapped up. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if it's going to be one of the scenarios where there's never sellouts or anything like that. But um, I really think in 2023, a lot of the time, you're going to be able to fairly easily get a console if you want one. I really think so. And it'll be nice to get there because, yeah. again, even though most like PlayStation and Xbox, for the most part, are selling more than they sold last gen, the demand right now is so much higher than it was last gen. And there is so much more potential yeah. for these consoles to sell. But a lot of people... They're not going to be far following Wario 64 on Twitter to get a console. Like exactly. Yep. The dedicated people will, but there's a lot of people who just don't care. They just want to go into their target or Walmart and just buy a console on a whim. 100%. And sure. Amazon is a boon for that as well. And that is another Avenue where for the most part, you can't consistently get a console. So once those kind of level out and that's more consistent, mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see what some of these current gen only games are going to sell like, because yeah, as we've seen on the PlayStation side, that has been a bit of a hurdle. It, there's yep. been a lot of negative sentiment surrounding the, the sales potential of their games because they're coming off the back of PS4 titles that have sold 10 million copies. But that yep. install base, so much bigger. So, so much oh, bigger. Oh, 100%. To sell, to, sell, to sell 10 million units right now on a PS5, you'd have to have like a 50% attach rate, <laughs> which is insane. That means half of the people who own a PS5 is going to buy your game. No, that's not mm -hmm. going to happen. That the only one who does that is Mario Kart on Switch. I was going to say, Mario Kart's the only game. Oh, <laughs> that's like... it. Besides that, you do not hit 50% attach rate. There was that funny statistic when the Switch launched with Breath of the Wild. And it, it actually, sold more. Yeah, it actually showed that Breath of the Wild somehow sold more copies than Switch. <laughs> Switch was amazing. It sold more copies of the game than Nintendo sold Switches that month. I have quite literally never seen that in my life. I've yeah. never seen such a thing. So yes, a 50% attach rate is a nearly impossible ask of any game. No publisher yep. in the world should expect that of even their biggest games. Even yep. That's Star why you're seeing so much cross-gen right now. Exactly. Which, because yep. they understand like... We need people to buy these. We've spent years and years and a lot of money, and yeah. we need people to buy these games. So can you get it running on PS4? Is that a possibility? <laughs> if so, please do so. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's jump to the software side. And as we touched on, the number one game for July was Warner Brothers free-to-play platform finder. Insane. Warner Brothers free-to-play, essentially Smash Bros. Cologne, as some people want to call it, is the number one selling game of July. Why is this launch so big? Like, 
I love the game. I've been loving it. I did not expect this launch to be anything like this. No, I never saw this coming. No. If you would have asked me six months ago if this game would have been a big hit, I would have been like, I mean, I'm sure like some people will play it, but like never would I have expected this. I only realized this was going to go nuclear crazy whenever uh, the early access started, whenever like if you watch Twitch streams or something, or if you bought the Founders Pack, you could get into the game early. Yeah. When all of a sudden it started, it was doing like, this was before the game's even officially out, and it's doing like over 50,000 concurrent players on just Steam by itself. That's why I started to be like, wait, what is happening? This game is apparently blowing up. Then all of a sudden the game actually releases and it did like 100,000 concurrent players on just Steam. This isn't even counting consoles. And I'm like, what in the world? Um, I think this sends a very strong message. If you're developing a fighting game, you might want to think about free to play. I'm just going to be honest with you. Fighting games already have a very high barrier entry because so many people are afraid to engage with fighting games because they're pretty hardcore games um whereas free to play it's no risk so if someone gets in and they're really liking the gameplay you know they're not scared to drop 60 or 70 bucks all of a sudden they're like oh dude i'm liking this you know buying characters i honestly think you're going to see some fighting games start to launch free to play i i really really do i don't think it's going to be like all of a sudden every fighting game's free to play i think a lot of companies that make fighting games are looking at this and going Ooh, Ooh okay my, oh all my. right <laughs> yeah because Sure, it's one thing to get players. It's one thing yeah. to get a player number going. But in the case of multiverses, they have proven that if you give people a good game that they want to play, they're going to drop money on it as well. So those the, the founders packs were just flying through the roof. And so this yep. game with a huge player count had a lot of people spending money on it. And yep. like you said, when this first was revealed, I laughed. I was like, okay, WB is trying it too. We had the Nickelodeon one, which didn't hit that's what um, i was expecting this to be like nickelodeon level <laughs> it didn't hit on the same level by any stretch like i wanted it to be good i liked it it wasn't bad by any means but my expectations for multiverse is similar it's like okay let's they're getting some of the og voice actors so that's cool maybe maybe there's going to be some hope there and then this game hit and what did it cross 10 million players Correct me if I'm wrong but i think that was yeah the i believe i out. believe that is correct i believe that uh because there's a a, a a site that tracks total players i'm not 100 sure how they do it because i don't think i don't think wb themselves have officially announced it but there's a leaderboard that tracks um you know just like what we saw with forza horizon when that came out where people were tracking players by uh because you could see the leaderboard same thing with this and yeah i think it was over 10 million which is insane for a fighting game that's absolutely insane and i know it's not like a traditional you know street fighter type fighting game but it's still a fighting game and on Xbox right now, Multiverses is the top free game. Yep. Above Fort above Fortnite with Dragon Ball Z, which is that to me is one of the biggest crossovers of all time. Fort, Dragon Ball Z in Fortnite or Dragon Ball Super. Sorry, I'm sounding like a boomer out here. <laughs> Dragon Ball Super in Fortnite. Um, I'm a Z guy myself too, so yeah, you know that yeah, we can both be boomers. Exactly. I, I dropped out of GT. Things started getting a little too weird. I will admit I haven't watched a second of of Super, so Super's pretty good. Okay, okay, maybe, it, maybe I'll, I, I, I'll be my boomer take is that Z is still better, but it, it's <laughs> definitely Super is definitely better than GT, no doubt. Okay, because didn't GT again? Quick side tangent. It didn't that not even end up being canon? Didn't they just yes. say that's yes? Forget that. That they, was nonsense. They, they, yeah, they kind of went back and they're like, hey, GT never happened, so here's Super instead. <laughs> See, I'm, yeah. I'm hip. I'm hip with the anime game. Yeah. <laughs> but 
But yeah, that that to me is incredibly fascinating, the success of Multiversus. And like you said, I think this sets a good precedent for other fighting game developers and how they can approach that because yep. they, there's clearly some money to be made in the free-to-play space on the fighting game front. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, Benji, we got to talk about Embracer because Ooh. they have kind of dominated the, the, the conversation this week because late Wednesday night, maybe Wednesday Something morning, like that. Uh, the news broke that Embracer, their acquisition spree, it's not over. Their acquisition spree is still in full effect. And this Swedish-based holding company is just willing to just dump money on a lot Everything. of things you would not expect. Mm-hmm. And so this week, we got some news about their next round of acquisitions. This is on top of recent acquisitions like Eidos, Crystal Dynamics, Saber Interactive. If you look at the last two years in Saber, that pool has just grown and grown and grown. Insane. This week, Embracer announced their plans to acquire The Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. And this isn't just video game licensing. No. They, they own Lord of the Rings and Hobbit's licensing rights for merchandise, for films, game for everything embracer yeah. group bought jrr tolkien's works which is absolutely wild insane absolutely wild <laughs> they bought bitwave games geotech limited run games which is another big one Singtrix, hatsujin tripwire interactive and tuxedo labs embracer also announced that there is another acquisition that they're not announcing at this time for quote commercial reasons but they are calling this their third or fourth biggest acquisition yet. So, Benji, how did these announcements hit you? And what do you think this, or sorry, how did these announcements hit you? And did you expect Embracer to acquire Lord of the Rings? Was that ever a possibility for you? Literally, if you gave me a list of 100 items on there and said Embracer inquired, you know, one of these, Lord of the Rings would probably be like number 100 on what I would (laughs) pick. I never saw this coming in any way, shape or form, because like you said, it's not the video game rights. If I found out they bought the video game rights, I'm like, that makes sense. Not surprised in any way, shape or form. They own any right to make anything based off of the books. So if it's a movie, they get to make it. If it's a video game, they get to make it. If it's even a stage play, if somebody wants to make a play on Broadway, they're the ones that get to make it. Anything that's media-based off of Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, they own it. That is crazy, like insane. Never would I have predicted this in a million years. I would have thought, you know, Amazon, Apple, you know, Netflix, somebody like this, I could have seen buying it that's in that media space, but never would I have predicted this. Um, it just continues to show that Embracer is extremely aggressive on acquisitions. I expect another round of acquisitions when they report their next earnings, and I think you'll probably see another round every single earnings period for the foreseeable future. I don't know if they'll always be this crazy. But uh, one thing, if you follow Embracer, that they're very good about is raising capital for acquisitions. They do it all the time. They just raise money from investors to go buy stuff. They do it all the time. Um, So, yeah, I think that's just going to keep continuing. This company now has over 14,000 employees. Like, they're utterly ginormous. Like, people don't realize that yet. 
I mean, we're talking their their workforce is enormous. Whenever they first started, it was like a few hundred people. Now they have 14,000. They are enormous, crazy, never saw this coming. If you would have told me they bought Tripwire, makes sense. No surprise at all. The Lord of the Rings one, what a curveball that is. That one was really wild to hear. Yeah. On the multiverses side, there was a lot, there's been leaks, there's been data mines, and a lot of that information has suggested characters like Gandalf and Legolas mm -hmm. because previously WB yeah. worked on those films. And so they mm -hmm. had some of the rights to that. But then speculation has shifted that due to some licensing issues, maybe those characters aren't coming. And mm. with this announcement, that sort of solidifies that now if Multiverses wants Gandalf or Legolas in Multiverses, they're going to have to go through Embracer. They're going to have yeah. to have that conversation with Embracer and pay them a little pop of royalty yep. money to get these characters represented. And yep. like you said, I never would have expected Embracer to be the one to come in and swoop up the rights to this. Like you said, with Amazon no. working on the Lord of the Rings series, uh, it's so wild that this holding yeah. company... <laughs> mostly in the video game space is like you know what let's diversify that portfolio and just buy lord of the rings right it's so random but <laughs> hey i mean hopefully we get some awesome lord of the rings games out of it that's what i'm hoping so what do you think this mystery acquisition is this one that they haven't revealed yet due to commercial reasons they're uh, saying so it's one of their biggest ever so one thing that is uh, being a, a tiny bit misunderstood on this, it's what they're saying is that it's the third biggest of this round of acquisitions. Mm -hmm. um, so so it's smaller than Tripwire Interactive. It's bigger than or it's smaller than Lord of the Rings and Tripwire. So it's right under those. Um, I don't know. I'm not, the the thing that makes it weird is that it's the commercial reasons. Why yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to think what that would be like very, very hard to think why you wouldn't announce. I, I don't know. This one's a weird curveball because um, we know it's someone that makes PC and console games. So we know it's not like something weird like Lord of the Rings was. We know it's exactly. like it's a development studio. Um, but I don't know. This could be I mean, with Embracer, it could be anyone <laughs> like. Who freaking knows with Embracer? Throw a dart at a dartboard. Whatever it hits, it might be an Embracer acquisition. Yeah, the commercial reasons are interesting because that does that suggest that this game is currently one of their games is currently in development, currently being marketed. I know what I'm, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm wondering if it's something that's like hitting soon and for marketing reasons they're not announcing it. I don't know because as far as I'm aware, Embracer has never done this with any of their acquisitions before. As far as I know... Every time they've acquired something, they've told you what it is. This is the first one, unless I'm missing something, where they've acquired them and just been like, we ain't going to tell you who it is. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know. It could be yeah. anybody. That commercial reasons quote is really interesting. So I'll be curious to see what, it's probably going to be anticlimactic based on a lot yeah. of speculation. But I, I heard somebody knows? say Night Dive. That's an interesting guess. The developers that are making System Shock. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yeah, I was like, that is interesting. Because I kind of, I personally feel like it's going to be something like that level. I think it's going to be a studio. I put it this way you've seen some people like freak out that it's going to be, you know, someone crazy. I don't think it's going to be something like that. I think it's going to be something that once they announce it, you're kind of like, yeah, this makes sense with Embracer. Um, but it could be, dude, there, it, it could be anybody. You know, the interesting thing about Embracer is they're trying to, you know, get that capital, get that return on investment for their investors. So the humongous acquisitions, for the most part, that's not necessarily as guaranteed of a return. But like yeah. you said, it, 
it doesn't make the most financial sense to try to buy one of the biggest developers ever mm-hmm. for this team. But if you can make the clever calls, like a, a, studio, yeah. a team like Night Dive, who has consistent work, has a good growing portfolio, that makes sense. And so yeah. I do agree. It'll probably be in, in, in the vein of something, someone along that size. Yeah, someone in that range. So as more and more companies enter this acquisition arms race and as the <laughs> industry gets more and more consolidated and we have these mega corps buying most publishers and developers that exist what are you hoping to see out of embracers investments if you look at all Mm. of their ip you look at everything that they've bought what are you hoping we get out of embracers just acquisition spree i i think they could really carve out a great spot for themselves in that aa space which is what we've seen them mostly pursue so far you know they're making definitely some triple a games but they're, like you were just saying, they're very smart about their investments. They're not just rushing out. Yeah, they spend a lot of money and they get a ton of headlines for all these acquisitions. But on a lot of them, they're getting really good deals. Like they're very shrewd in what they buy. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're getting a lot, but they're not paying ridiculous prices for all this stuff. So um, I think with Embracer, there's a real opportunity that you're going to just see tons and tons of variety in uh, genres, budgets, all of that kind of stuff. Because, you know, Ubisoft, Activision, EA, Microsoft, Sony, they're mostly going to be pushing for these biggest, craziest, you know, hundred plus million dollar uh, games that they're making. I think Embracer really could carve out that spot where they're, you know, a few of those games sometimes, but also a lot of stuff in between. And uh, I, I, there's there was a risk for a while that that whole area of games was going to die. There was a little bit there where it was looking like it's either just the biggest AAA games or smallest indies. And the whole in-between that used to exist looked like it was dying. But I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of a return to that. So, um, you know, and the market needs those kinds of games. So I think that uh, they could really carve out a good spot for themselves there. Still do some big AAA stuff sometimes. Uh, but a lot of variety. I'm looking forward to see Legacy of Kane coming back because it's going to come back. I'm telling you that right now. So be prepared. You will get Legacy of Kane. So I'm excited to see that come back. I'm excited to see Deus Ex come back. Sounds like there's a very good chance that's going to make a return. Um, you know, it might be a little bit, but I think you're going to get another one of those. Uh, I, I'm excited for Tomb Raider to come back. You know, I love Tomb Raider. So there's a lot. I think Embracer has, has a, a really bright future, honestly. Yeah, and it's it's really exciting to see that double A space get this resurgence, get this yep. re-emphasis. Because as you touched on, it was dwindling away. There was the huge focus on the indie space because it was cheaper to develop for, and then there was triple A, mm-hmm. and there was nothing in between. There was no yep. modest budget, big noteworthy games. And we're we're getting back to that because I think a lot of people are understanding that only doing the biggest possible triple games is also unsustainable. There's yeah, no, it's also risky. There's no guaranteed hit anymore. You could do most things right. And for some reason, your audience just doesn't connect with it. And that's six years of you going, oh, no, we needed this to do this amount of money so we can put that money into the next thing that we're working on or pay back the loans that we took out to start development on this next thing. Now we don't have that. So 100%. That's what I want to see is from Embracer as well. Like, like you touch on Soul Reaver Legacy of Kane. Let's go. I want to mm-hmm. see Tomb Raider get some love and some attention. I want to get some more consistent output there. And I want to see, because a lot of these teams have proven, like Saber Interactive has been a good example of a publisher within the Embracer group that has been super consistent in the AA space. They're, yeah. they're not putting out the biggest games ever, but they put out consistent quality and they have decent ongoing support for these titles. Mm-hmm. And that's, 
really refreshing to see. Yep. And like, look at Tripwire, who they just bought. You know, Maneater, that was in that middle range. Yeah. You know, Killing Floor, right in that middle range. Both successful titles that didn't have, you know, $150 million budgets. Um, there's definitely room for these types of games. And especially there's room for these types of games as subscription services rise because they can get money from Microsoft or Sony for putting these games on their subscription services, which then helps fund these, you know, more middle-sized projects. And it's less expensive for Microsoft to put like, let's say a Maneater on Game Pass than it is to be like, hey, here's $150 million <laughs> for this AAA game. So a uh, lot, lot of room for it. Yeah. And I do want to see some Lord of the Rings games. Since they just bought Lord of the Rings, I want some Lord of the Rings games. Besides Mordor. Don't get me wrong. I liked the Mordor games. Let's see some other areas outside of Mordor and some Lord of the Rings games. Here's my pitch. I posted this on Twitter somewhat recently. But what I want to see from Lord of the Rings, from the Lord of the Rings universe in the video game space, is I want somebody to make a huge open world slice of life Hobbit game. So I oh want, man, that'd be cool. I want the Death Stranding world, the scope, <laughs> the focus on traversal, and I want the you to Shire. Go, go out, leave the Shire to, to gather basically cooking ingredients. And I want you to go out, and the further you get out, the better food ingredients you get, and you'll have to Bro, manage I'm so on board with your this. horse, you'll have to climb up mountains, you'll have your little pack, you'll have to you have your little wheelbarrow to like fill up, and there's like physics components see like see like ants over in the distance but you're not quite sure if it's an ant just like happened you know with those hobbits that live next to uh that one forest i can't remember it's been a while since i read the books but uh they weren't quite sure what they were but there was rumors of living trees and stuff like yeah, that so not dude, i'm so on board with this idea you don't even need all the crazy action do it do a crazy action spectacle too but i dude if you read the books it's a lot of what you're talking about exactly. especially early on i'd love a game like that i don't love i don't it. want to focus on combat i want this to be the opposite i want to be just a chill yeah. hobbit going out coming back and then have a super elaborate cooking system so you go in <laughs> you gotta bake you gotta put all your ingredients together and then give me that final fantasy 15 food porn moment where you Dude. bring out your dish at the table make it multiplayer so you can share that dish with friends like that is somebody needs to step in the space and do that so embrace You're doing all the like small tasks within the shire and the drama between the different houses in the shire okay. and you know who took my eating spoon and things like that Dude, I, I, I'm not even joking. This is a brilliant idea. I hadn't thought about it. I am so on board with this. Hobbit slice of life game, but make it big. Don't make it like Animal Crossing art style, like chibi art style. Yeah, really, make it look awesome. Make it do, really do it up. Nobody's going to do it because it's a huge risk, but that's yeah, a huge risk, but it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm glad I, you're I would, I would be, I would be the irresponsible CEO that if you pitched this to me, I'd be like, "Here's a hundred million dollars, go make it." Do it. You know what? Yes, we are doing it. Here, here's whatever you need. Make it happen. Just like the person that green lighted making Beyond Good and Evil too. Uh -huh. <laughs> making that game the way it is. Making that years? game the way it is. Like, wait, you don't want to just do a regular small follow up to Beyond Good and Evil too. You want a hundred million dollar budget to make some sort of giant space open world. Here you go. Just take it. Let's go. I, I see that with with the Hobbit. Yes, please, somebody, somebody, be <laughs> irresponsible with money on the Hobbit IP for the sake of humanity. <laughs> All right, uh, a couple questions from the chat here regarding the Embracer stuff. David yep. Jack says, "How can Embracer keep buying stuff when the FTC hasn't approved their other deals? Microsoft mm. can't buy anyone else right now." 
it all comes down to uh, what the FTC thinks is like a threat to the industry. You know, the main difference is that, you know, you look at these purchases that Embracer's making and they're high in quantity, but like even this round of purchases, they spent less than a billion dollars for all this. The main difference, you see Microsoft coming out here and dropping like 70 billion for like the biggest, you know, publisher in the entire industry that's third party. They're going to see that as way more threatening to the overall business than buying a bunch of studios and stuff that's worth like 100 million here, you know, 200 million here, something like that. So even if the overall quantity looks very high for Embracer, the actual industry impact on what they're afraid of, which is things like monopolization, they're going to be much more concerned about someone buying a ginormous publisher that's worth billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars than they are these smaller purchases. So that's the main difference. And yeah, and I think with Embracer being a holding company, they're not on the same level of... Platform holder. Exactly. They're not a publisher. Their, their impact on what they can do with these IPs is limited to someone else agreeing to put their stuff on their other platform. So yep. they can't just come out and force anything per se. They still have to play nice with all of the other publishers in the space. And I think that's why they're not under the same level of scrutiny. And as you touched on, yeah, they're not spending 70 billion on a single yeah. acquisition. Not I mean, that's the, most, that's the most expensive acquisition in tech, <laughs> what Microsoft's mm -hmm. doing. That, that's going to get a lot of scrutiny. <laughs> like and from it, people that don't even care about video games, they're going to look at that price tag and be like, excuse Whoa, me? It's how much? Excuse, you're doing what? So I still think they're going to go through with it. Yes. But it's a whole different level. And like you said, that was also a great point that Embracer is not a platform holder. So they still need Microsoft to agree to put their games on the service, whereas Microsoft owns their own ecosystem. So that's also a great point. Yeah, they can dick. Microsoft has more power to dictate what in theory can be on their platform and what can't yep. be. Yep. Um, lay day, law days with the super chesses. Do you guys think the reason the price for the Lord of the Rings was slow is because it will enter public domain in the next 20 ish years? Um, I think that is part of it. I could. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Hobbit's ten. I think in ten years, anyone can make anything based off the Hobbit. So all right, Ben, we just have to wait ten years. If if Embracer that, not yeah, make years. that game, I will be in the space <laughs> ten years from now with that pitch. For the next ten years, we're going to do nothing but raise money to make this game. Work on the design documents, get the pitch dialed in, get a bunch of investors on board. We're going to go to Microsoft and we're going to embrace her, get them in a room together. And we're like, we got an idea for a great exclusive for you. <laughs> great exclusive. It would be a game. You Look at Animal Crossing. You, that thing did numbers. We got your Animal yeah. Crossing right here, baby. Let's but go. I, do, I, I think the public domain is an element. And then I think another element is that as as hugely impactful as lord of the rings has been overall it has also been a very long time since there was a hugely successful lord of the rings property you know what i mean there hasn't been constant tv shows coming out that are huge right now and constant movies that are coming out that are huge right now it's been a little bit on the back burner for quite a while um you know you would still see like a mordor game or something like that but the hobbit movies weren't that well received and they were also pretty long ago now and the actual lord of the rings trilogy was a really long time ago now so I think all of those things are elements why the price tag wasn't as high as some of us thought. I was surprised they got them as cheap as they did. Yeah, when you look at that number, it is really shockingly low. If yeah. you're someone from our generation who was, you know, around during yeah, the, Lord of the, the, Rings the trilogy, and... that trilogy yep. in theaters, that was a huge, huge deal. But like you said, I think it's been 
20 years dude yeah it's been a long time years. i know My i know God. that's what i mean it's it's been a minute since lord of the rings was uh, who knows maybe this amazon show is a huge hit and it looks like the deal of a century and lord of the rings is back baby you know and so who knows it very well could turn out that way but i think some studios might have been a little nervous to drop a ton of money on it because they might be a little unsure how relevant quote quote it is to today's yeah. you know market exactly exactly but it's exciting that somebody cares about Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and yeah. hopefully Embracer does some cool stuff with it. Because like you yep. said, there hasn't been, nobody's been doing anything with it, really. The Amazon no, show no. was the first thing in a while yep. outside of, we got Golem coming up and like you said, the Mordor series. Yep. Which again, I know that had its fandom, but I don't think it really set the world on no. fire. Like it didn't do a lot no. for the brand perception. Yep, exactly. All right, we got a couple showcases coming up. It feels like God, just two weeks ago, Summer Game Fest and all of that madness was happening. <laughs> but we are on the cusp of two more. The first, I guess not first in terms of when it's happening, but the first we're going to talk about is the Marvel and Disney game show. Ooh. I thought this was particularly interesting because it shows their commitments to gaming. Because I don't, oh, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but has there ever been a disney and marvel games showcase no this is the first one ever yeah that's what i thought so they're coming out and saying you know what we know you love marvel we know you love disney we know you love video games and we're here to show you that you know this isn't some weird side thing like it was once upon yeah. a time disney and marvel are serious about video games and here is our dedicated showcase so we do have some confirmation as to what we will be seeing for sure marvel's midnight suns will be there and we will get our first look at a Marvel game from Skydance Media. Amy mm -hmm. Hennig, director of Uncharted. This highly anticipated project, this long-rumored project, we are going to get information on that at this show. Are there any other big surprises you're expecting to see? Dude, I am so hyped for Jedi Survivor. I cannot wait. Jedi Survivor is going to definitely be here because it's Lucasfilm as well. So Star Wars stuff is going to be here. Um, uh, Jedi Survivor, dude. I will be utterly shocked if it's not here. I think it's here with a release date. So um, I, I loved Fallen Order personally. I, uh, you know, it, was it a perfect game? No, but it was the Star Wars game I had wanted for so long. Playing as a Jedi, you know, triple A budget single player game. I personally love Cal. You know, I know there's some debate about is Cal Kestis really that cool? I'm a huge fan. I'm also a huge fan of the actor. Um, so Jedi Survivor, honestly, I'm a huge MCU fan. I'm I'm more excited for Jedi Survivor than anything for Marvel, and and I'm excited for Marvel stuff. But dude, I really loved Fallen Order, and I think that what they what they learned from Fallen Order, Survivor could be like, wow, I think it could be amazing. So uh, I really think that's going to be there. It's not official; they did not say that it's going to be here. But considering Lucasfilm is there as well. And considering this game needs a release date and we have some rumors about the release date, which sounds like it could be fairly soon, actually, they yeah. got to show the game. So uh, that's if it's there, that is the thing I'm most excited to see is, is uh, Jedi Survivor with the release date. Jedi Survivor release date the exact same day as Resident Evil 4. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, going to get them on the same day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I do think we will see Jedi Survivor in some capacity there. I do kind of expect the release date as well. There have been some some rumors, some teases from uh, good good folks like Jeff Grubb about when yep. it's coming. And like you said, sounds like according to his reports or teases, it's coming very, very, very soon. So yep. that, that'll be exciting. Um, 
I'm really excited to see what the Amy Hennig project looks like, what that ends up yep. being. There's uh, some again, rumors about what that is. Mm-hmm. There, there have been a yep. lot of rumors surrounding that, so I'm excited to get. We the- know we know it's an ensemble cast. The description yep. did did say that whenever uh, they released this press release for the uh, Disney Marvel thing, they said Amy Hennig's you know game was going to have an ensemble cast, <clears throat> which lines up with some of the rumors. Do you think with Jedi Survivor, there were a lot of rumors surrounding Obi Wan that Cal Kestis was going to be making his. Yeah, I was MCU shocked he wasn't there. Character debut in a sh- in a live action show. Are they going to yeah. try to do the the impossible crossover between video games and a show dropping? That's similar time frame. Uh, it, it could. I mean, because I was surprised because there was a lot of rumors that that uh, I think it's Dominic Monaghan. I think is his name or something like that. Oh, Cameron. Uh, Cameron, yeah, Cameron Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan is uh, Lord of the Rings. He was one of the <laughs> hobbits, I'm pretty sure, and he was in Lost. Yeah, Cameron. Uh, there was, there was all kinds of rumors that he was on the Obi Wan set, and uh, he never showed up in the show. So maybe he was there on set just as a fan because he chilling. is in Star Wars. So maybe those rumors weren't false that he was on set, but maybe this happens all the time in movies and stuff. People just visit sets. Um, so maybe he was just there hanging out as a Star Wars fan. But uh, I think it's inevitable he shows up in something live action because the guy's a great actor. Like, he's like a legitimately very, very good actor um, if you've watched any of the stuff he's been in. So it would be a waste, I think, to never use him in live action because he's like literally a Hollywood actor. It's not like, you know, someone who's only done voice work, which I love voice actors, but I can see why sometimes they don't make that jump to live action because you just don't know how it's going to translate. The guy, that's what he built his career on, is being in live action. So I'll be shocked if he doesn't show up in, in one of these Star Wars shows. It'd be a waste if he doesn't. Yeah, because aren't they pushing, you know, the the survive or the Jedi, Star Wars Jedi series as as canon within the, yes, the world? Yes, 100% canon, yep. So yep. it would make sense. And we're seeing this increasing push from people like Sega and PlayStation to have that crossover with live action films and, and yep. shows and really get as many people as possible invested in these properties. So I think that would be interesting. I know he's yeah. been dodging the question when people are like, what's up in yeah. the show? He's like, Oh, I would love to explore that further. You know, the typical PR. I, like, I think it's inevitable. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't even be shocked if they announced something at D23 about it, because that's where the showcase is going to be. Anyways, what better way to also hype up Jedi survivor than to be like, Here's Jedi Survivor. Oh, and by the way, you can see Cal Kestis, whether he's getting his own show or maybe he's an Andor or something, because you never know. He could even show up in Andor. They could just be like, boom. Boom. Here you go. Yeah. Any wild, any dream reveals for you? Anything that maybe isn't that likely, but you want to see? I have one. Oh, what do you got? I've literally been asking for this game for years. It will it will quite literally not happen, but if we're talking <laughs> pie in the sky, I want Remedy Games to make Doctor Strange. Ooh. I want Remedy Entertainment, Doctor Strange so bad. It, it would be incredible. You know, one time I tweeted about this. I tweeted about this a long time ago that uh, I wanted Remedy Entertainment to make this. And one of the leads for the VFX of Control actually commented on my tweet. And he was like, dude, that's hilarious because one of my inspirations for Control was the Doctor Strange movie. He said, I took a lot of inspiration from the effects in the Doctor Strange movie and used it in Control. And I was like, dude, you got to make the game. You You guys are the perfect developer to make Doctor Strange. So it's not going to happen. They're so busy. They have Alan Wake 2 coming. They have a Control sequel coming. They, They got all kinds of stuff. But if it's a dream, Remedy Entertainment, Doctor Strange. Oh, my God. I'd lose my mind. That's one of those projects where you can see it. 
you can see it just like, makes I, so much sense if you've played control especially the the inspiration from dr strange's universe is it's apparent it's it's yep. there and the, the physics and that the the, the way abstract. things move and yep oh, that'd be good mine is i want to see ninja theory do a gambit game oh i want them to work. go back to Enslaved. yeah i remember you're a big gambit fan right and exactly you know that's yep. kind of where my marvel love peaked the x-men yep. animated series baby so you yep. have ninja theory who has done great combat they've done a lot of action-oriented combat their their chops have improved dramatically since enslaved but that's kind of the game i look at for the the foundation of like how they could make that that staff based combat work yeah yeah, so and I actually like that game. I think Enslaved is kind of underrated. I really I enjoyed Enslaved. That yeah. game was really, really good. Good platforming, yep. good action. Let's go. Yep. Um, I'm with you. That's a good one. I'm wondering, you know, there's been all these rumors for years. Microsoft's making a Marvel or a Star Wars game. I wonder if any of that's going to ever pan out or if that's just all BS. We've heard about the the Mandalorian game, yeah. Coalition. What other? The Star Wars MMO yeah um, yeah so there's been a lot of rumors and i am curious I to see if they get that big reveal there is the announcement I know. Like, oh damn they did it they got yeah but looking at all this because teams... i have i have no insider info on this one at all but i feel like it's not true but i don't know there, there keeps being rumors you know xbox is going to make a star wars game or they're going to make a marvel game i don't know I, I personally don't buy it but I would be interested to see if it ever happens. I would be interested. I mean, we've yeah. seen Sea of Thieves lock down Pirates of the Caribbean Pirates, on the Dis yeah. Disney side. So yep. clearly the Disney team likes working with Microsoft. They've, yeah. They're very happy with that. Um, yep. My question's on Xbox's side. Like, I know, I, I'm very confident that Disney would partner with them. Like, Disney, I think, would be down. They'd be like, oh, yes. you want to make a Marvel Star Wars game? Absolutely. I just wonder if Xbox wants one of their teams on one of these ip i just don't know I, you know i don't know that's my big question too is does yeah. xbox want this and who is going to do this yeah who's of the their team that wants higher to. profile yep. teams we already know what they're working on yep we already know what their future looks like so yep the big question is who would be the one to step up and do the star wars game do the marvel game yep unless it's a publishing project and they lean into it another... uh, that's a good idea yeah they could do that they could just be the publisher and have somebody else make it that's a good idea a <laughs> uh, couple super chats here hargy chani dropping so this has probably already been claimed but huge shout to hargy for dropping a multiverses founders pack premium edition code for xbox whoa Let's go. very cool unlock all those characters get yourself in the battlefield be toxic, do spammy emotes, you know, really. <laughs> be toxic. That's what your boy does. I'm not going to go out there and be toxic. Yo. You know, get the, get the KO and just spam the side dash. Really Someone's going to clip this out and get us in trouble. Uh -huh. <laughs> like Miles and Benji are telling people to be toxic. They're telling online. you to be toxic. I thought they were supposed to be positive role models. <laughs> Industry. Uh, Highlander 001 says, hey, Benji, great to see you twice in the same week. You see uh, Disney. Yeah. Do you see Disney giving Microsoft any exclusive game like mm. Sony has? Do you think there's going to be a, I mean, we touched on this, I guess, a little bit. Do you think there's going to be an Xbox exclusive from Disney? Yeah, we were just talking about it. I, Like I said, I really think that on Disney's end, they would be 100% down with this. I, I think from all the rumblings and reports, Disney wants to get games made. Like, yep. they want them. Pitch us Star Wars ideas. Pitch us Marvel ideas. Let's get games rocking. So I think from their end, they'd love to work with Xbox. 
I just don't know Highlander if uh, this was Highlander, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? I don't know Highlander if uh, if it's on Xbox's side. You know, they seem mostly focused on working on their own IP, things that they can control. Um, like Miles said, we had we know what so much of their team is working on right now. Like a lot of their studios, even if not all of it's publicly announced, there's not many studios that we have no idea what they're doing. So. Seems unlikely to me, but I'd be on board. Like, I'd love to see it, but uh, I don't know. I, I, right now, I'm just not fully buying some of these rumors. And another interesting thing to think about is, as we look at Xbox Game Studios right now, and a lot of these teams that were basically sold on the idea of working for this team, working for Microsoft, their ambitious goals for the future, the team also has to want that to be their yep. project. Like if you're yep. coming on and you're sold, like you can do whatever you want. You can make any project that you want. We are going to support that. We're going to reinforce that. A lot of these teams, I have to say a Marvel project maybe isn't their dream. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I would say if one of these teams went to Phil Spencer, let's say, and they're like, dude, we want to make a Star Wars game or we want to make a Marvel game you might see Phil willing to make that deal. If a team came to him and that was, like you said, that's their dream. Dude, we have this amazing idea. Can we please make a Star Wars game? Then you might see it. But yeah, I can't see Phil going out there and just being like, hey, you're going to make a Star Wars game now because we made this deal with Sorry, Marvel. Obsidian. Outer Worlds yeah. 2 is canceled. You're making yeah. Star Wars now. Yeah, that does not seem like his style at all. But if, like, let's say, let's just throw a studio out there. Let's say the Coalition comes to him and they're like, dude, we want to make a Mandalorian game. We have an amazing idea for this game. And he liked the pitch, then you might see it happen. But I think it would take something like that. Like you said, I don't think it would be a tough sell for Disney if Xbox was like, yeah, you know, the people made Gears of War, they want to do Star Wars. Is that cool? Yeah, they'd be like, okay, here you go. go. Yeah, Yeah. that's absolutely cool. So I don't think it's a matter of like whether or not it's possible. I think it just ultimately is going to come down to whether or not there's a team at Xbox who wants to make a Marvel or Star Wars property. Yep, yep. All right, dude, what? Let's talk about Gamescom. Gamescom's coming up. That is the next big showcase. Jeff has rolled out the hype train. He is building up momentum. He is building up energy. He wants you to tune in to opening night live this coming Tuesday. And he has on my birthday. On your birthday. Her, yep. Happy early birthday. Hopefully, Jeff makes all of your wild Bring the goods, dreams Jeff. Bring the true. goods. Come on. It's his birthday, Jeff. Don't. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so he's told us it's two hours long. Roughly, roughly two hours long. And in addition to that, he has announced a ton of what will be there. So mm-hmm. we have over 20 games that are going to be shown, and we know of 12 of them. We know, he's already announced 12 of the games that will be shown at the <laughs> showcase. So Hogwarts Legacy, Poyo versus new strategy RPG game, The Outlast Trials, Gotham Knights, Callisto Protocol, The Expanse from Telltale Games, Dying Light 2's DLC, High on Life, Sonic Frontiers, Return to Monkey Island, Goat Simulator 3, and the creator of Subnautica's next game. All of those, he's already come out and said, these will be here. So we we already got 12 out of essentially the 20-ish that are going to be there. Mm -hmm. So in addition to what Jeff has confirmed, what are these quote-unquote cool surprises or things we wouldn't expect that are going to be at opening night live? I think one of them leaked <laughs> because of the uh, pre-orders. 
going live would be my guess. I'm assuming that zombie game is going to be here. That would be my guess. <laughs> you know, Dying Light 2. Uh, yeah, it's probably yeah. going to be there. You know, yeah, you just got to say it. It was all over the internet. Looking likely. It's looking very, Look, very likely. Looking likely that that's probably going to be there. Um, Oops. Con- considering <laughs> screenshots and pre-orders went live. Uh, seems like the place that's going to get shown. You don't know, though. So it's not you yeah, a you spoiler. It's in a spoiler. Just it seems like it. So I will say that seems like one of them. Other than that, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I think he will have a new reveal here or two because, you know, all these games, for the most part, are games that we know what they are. Exactly. Um, he is, you know, I, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we went live. I feel like the Game Awards is a little bit where you get the bigger new announcements than Gamescom. Um, but I still think he's going to have something here that's pretty hype that you didn't expect. What that could be, hard to say. Um It'd be really cool if Xbox is here in some way, because as of now, we don't have a confirmed that they're going to do like an EXO whatever later yeah. this year. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they do, but like as of now, we don't know that there will be any type of Xbox show later in the year. So it'd be cool if, you know, even if it's not a new game, if Xbox has some kind of trailer for something here, I, that'd be really, really cool. Um, sounds like from some rumors on the Internet that Sony won't be here in a big way. So I'm not really expecting much from PlayStation. I'd love to see Alan Wake 2, but didn't they say that they're not going to show that this because originally they said they were going to show it later this year. But I thought Remedy made a statement that they weren't now. I'm trying to remember but, what they did. They made a statement. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't remember. Yeah, the I don't remember. The, yeah, I don't it remember the exact summer word. Game Fest or it won't be this year at all. But yeah, I can't remember because I, I, I remember at one point when they first announced it, they said they were going to show it again later this year. And then they said something. I don't remember the exact wording. If it was just that it wasn't going to be at Summer Game Fest, hey, if you give me Alan Wake 2 footage, oh my God. Let's <laughs> I'm go. Gonna, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> but uh, I don't think it'll be here, but that would be amazing. Yeah, Alan Wake 2, when, that, when they showed that new trailer, Bro, I, I it, it took me so long to understand that it was Alan Wake because of how drastically different the tone of it was. That yeah, or So dark, so gritty. And then as soon as I saw that beard, I was like, oh, damn. They're doing it, and they're talking Bro. about how they're going to lean fully into the horror elements of it. And I love Alan Wake One for its campy yep. Twilight Zone, X Files inspired kind of camp. But I am, and I love the see. story personally. I love the story. I'm curious to see what a dark, mature mm. Alan Wake looks like. Yeah, they described it as straight up survival horror. So that's amazing because the first one's more of like a thriller. You know, it's not horror i would say it's a thriller game this one is straight up survival horror oh my god inject it in my veins (laughs) what are your overall i guess hype levels for opening night live do you think this is going to have some surprises that are going to get people excited or do you think this is just a an interim to get us to the game awards jeff seems to always have one big thing up his sleeve like even for the shows that people like really complain about there's still almost always one thing up his sleeve where you're like dang he did get that like mass effect wasn't that a gamescom one year i believe that was opening night live two years ago was like the Mm -hmm. last thing they showed was mass effect like it seems like he's always got something uh so I do think I do think there's going to be one big game here. I don't know that it's going to be like five. You know, I don't know if you're going to leave this show and be like, oh, my God, I got oh, five games. I can't even what? believe. Yeah, but I do. Jeff, Jeff tends to even the shows that people complain about. He usually likes to have at least that one that you're like, dang, he, he, he got that at that show. 
So I feel like there's going to be something, but not a lot. I think it'll be one. Um, I think some of the lineup is pretty exciting. I'm personally really stoked to see more uh, Callisto Protocol and Hogwarts yes. Legacy. Yep. Those out of the list, those are the two I'm most excited to see more of. Um, so I, I, I'm, I would put my hype as like, I'm excited, but I'm not like, you know, through the roof. Oh my God. I'm more excited for game awards at the end of the year, I would say than this. Yeah. Game awards is the one definitely synonymous with the biggest for him. Yeah. But yep. I will, I will say, as you touched on that, he does want to make sure that you have a reason to tune into all of his shows. And he understands yep. that people want the big finale. They want that moment to be like, oh, damn, this isn't something yep. I expected, or this is something I really, really wanted, like the Elden Ring gameplay reveal. Yep, um, exactly. So he, he knows that he can't really phone it in entirely. And so yep. that makes me feel like he will have at least, like you said, at least one big, maybe two, maybe a big opener and a big closer to opening yeah. live to really get people excited because ultimately he wants you to tune in next year. And if he doesn't yep. deliver that big moment for you, there's gonna be a lot of people like, eh, I watched last year and it wasn't that good. Well, I'm not going to watch this year, but even, even with the way people complain a lot after his shows, if you look at the viewership, it climbs every single mm -hmm. year, literally every single year, the viewership comes up. And that's because even if, you know, even if you feel sometimes the shows are too long or whatever, he does get that little nugget in there for you. Uh -huh. We're like, oh, dude, he got that. So I, like there's going to be, I think, at least one here. Like you said, maybe two. All right. Um, tin foil hat time, Benji. I got a conspiracy theory that I want to share with you and the people watching and listening about something that maybe potentially could be at opening night live. So as we know, at the Xbox and Bethesda games showcase, there was a moment where Phil Spencer came out on stage and talked about Xbox's commitments to Japan. And part of that was bringing out Hideo Kojima to confirm the long rumored Xbox Kojima collaboration, the Xbox exclusive published or the Xbox published exclusive from Hideo Kojima. Before oh, yeah. that, before all of that happened, there were leaks percolating about a, a game potentially called Overdose from yep. Hideo Kojima, starring one of the characters from Death Stranding that looked to be a survival horror game from Kojima. Yep. That that reporting, uh, according to Tom Henderson, they asked him to remove that reporting which fuel a lot of speculation that we might see. It's always that. a sign that that's real. Anytime you see that, it's real. Just please, can you take it down? And he said no. And so <laughs> that was still up. And then at the show, we just had Kojima come out and say, hey, this is a thing. This is happening. I'm excited. This is something I could never do before. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. But Xbox, at the start of the show, they said that every single game you will see today at this showcase is coming in the next 12 months. That is what they said. They did not say before Kojima came out that except this Kojima one. This, nope. This Kojima one is not coming. Everything but the Kojima one is coming. No. They said every single game you will see today at the showcase, and maybe there's the disclaimer that, well, you didn't see it technically. Yeah, so it's not, that's, the, that's the one question. Not, that's so the one technically, question. you didn't see it. Where they played it. a little bit of... Yeah, a little, you know, okay, that would be, you know, again, technically. Little they, loophole. Yeah, they, they, you didn't see it. We didn't even give you the logo. Yeah. Death Stranding, coming to Xbox Game Pass, August 23rd. Ooh. They announced Ooh. it on the Friday, which is odd. Yes. They don't normally announce the drops on Friday. That date is the same date as opening night live. 
That is a good conspiracy. And to further this conspiracy, Kojima has been on Twitter teasing that he's been editing. What everyone can assume is a trailer for something. Oh, dang. And so now we have Xbox leaning into the Death Stranding marketing on the same day as opening it live. We have Kojima teasing that he is going to be, you know, he's been editing something, some, some type of video. And Kojima has come out and said that he's not going to be showing any games at Tokyo Game Show, which is mm-hmm. where a lot of people expected maybe we'd see something from. Well, so my conspiracy mm. is that we might actually get at least the reveal, at least a tease, Ooh. at least the name of the yeah. Xbox and Kojima project i honestly when you lay it out like that it would not be surprising you know i was leaning more towards because i do think this will be with jeff like i do just think so like even if xbox is the publisher you know jeff and kojima just have such a good relationship over so many years he's done so many reveals with jeff i feel like xbox will still honor that even if they're the publisher they'll probably really like you know to get that out there I was thinking this was going to be Game Awards. Like, honestly, that's what I was expecting. I thought that this was going to be a Game Awards reveal. Um, But I don't know when you lay it out. The fact that Death Stranding hits Game Pass the exact same day that that opening night live is on, right? They're both August 23rd. Yeah. I mean, that does seem like one heck of a coincidence. So again, this the total tinfoil hat. I don't don't know what's going to be shown there, but I do agree with you that this game will be revealed with Jeff. 100%. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, think so. I kind of feel like, you know, the Xbox thing, like with having Kojima come out was just Xbox saying, let us at least have that. Let us at least have yep. that moment where we can lean into that as part of our show. But like yep. you said, Jeff and Kojima, obviously really close relationship. Obviously oh, yeah. they're going to lean into that. And I think Xbox respects that and actually likes to play with that a little bit. So I, yep. I'm curious. I If it's not at opening that live, my assumption would be, game awards but with all of these mm-hmm. weird things lining up like the, the yeah. main thing is kojima teasing that he's editing something because every yeah. time he does that he releases a trailer yeah it's true just like dire- uh, destiny director's cut right before that was announced officially he was doing all sorts of trailer cutting like uh-huh. he was teasing that on his mm-hmm. thing right before the director's cut was revealed so it dude it's it's a great point uh, the timing is highly suspect i was not thinking that i was like i said i was i was all in on You'll see Kojima's game at the Game Awards, but uh, I don't know, man. So I don't, Maybe it's, there's some interesting things. He's yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not gonna say it's for sure happening, but it might. And it might. It's, it's fun to talk about the wild possibilities, and there's a lot of yeah. interesting things that mm-hmm. isolated mean nothing. But again, that's this is total together. conspiracy brain. Like, okay, well, I'm connecting all these dots. All these pieces are coming together, <laughs> and this is confirmed. Yeah, yeah. The Kojima Xbox game at opening night live confirmed (laughs) y'all draft your tweets now draft get them ready (laughs) that way you can say you were right i i I called it and then and then delete it if you're wrong just hide it from the world you know yeah just delete so i'm excited overall for opening night live i think there will be some cool stuff um i'm trying to think of what other games we potentially know about that could get a release date I'm hoping Callisto Protocol stays 2022. Please. please. Oh, please. I don't want it to be, here's a new trailer. And then at the end of the trailer, there's a new date. And you're like, no. Don't, don't trust no. anything 2022 right now. Just don't do it. If I, it hits, amazing. But don't trust it. <laughs> that's where I'm at. If it gets delayed, it's whatever. It's already on the cusp. It's like riding on the edge of yep. 2022. Just, just kissing 2023. 
<laughs> if it does get delayed, what I want just for the salt, just for the industry industry drama, is I want Callisto Protocol to come out the day before Dead Space. The day Same before week, the Dead Space it. remake. Just do it. I don't care if it's a Wednesday. I don't care if it's a Thursday. Do it. <laughs> Just the yep. day before Dead Space. Just, oh, just for the drama, all right? Yep. Even as is, it's crazy that right now they're currently scheduled a month apart. Like, we went all these years without a Dead Space-like game, and then somehow we wound up with two of them one month apart from each other. I know, what, the, what, what are the odds? What the what, hell? How does that happen? You go from Dead Space 3 to, like, nothing for, you know, who knows how long, and then all of a sudden it's like, not only are you going to get Dead Space, you're also going to get a spiritual successor, and they're going to be one month apart. <laughs> It's like, well, that's okay. why I'm wondering if that, that was already the plan. Like Glenn yeah. saw that EA was taking his baby and trying to remake it. Yeah, he's gonna right around up the them. time of Callisto Protocol. I was like, we are putting this out one month ahead of Dead Space. Yeah. We are doing it. We yeah. are committed to this mission to supersede Dead Space. Yeah. Put and your I, flag in the ground. Boom. We are the future of space <laughs> yeah. survival horror. Okay. Yeah. Dead Space is a relic of the past. Although I am <laughs> excited about both very much. Dude, same. Very, I, they're both ten out of ten hype for me. Let's. It's just. It's a good time to be a horror fan, y'all. The, Dude, it is. The amount of horror. So, Alone in the dark. That's coming back as well. I think it looks good. Personally, yeah. I'm excited for that. You know, I look at all the stuff coming out this year. All the stuff that's come out this year, and you know, some people talk about it being slow, but for my specific tastes. Mm -hmm. i mean good y'all like I, yeah. I can't complain about this year at all two pokemon yeah. games in one year evil dead the game which how does that even exist that's not even something i expected to see in this this modern age that came out and that was really good yeah. elden ring came out i'm fine nothing else yeah. could come out the rest of the year and i would have had a satisfying fulfilling year playing video games but yep i've had plenty to play in terms of like industry impact it just has been an objectively slow year you know yeah. that's why you're seeing like so much earnings down right now um mm -hmm. and so many of them are saying just there's less games um but there's still a ton to play like people that complain there's nothing to play it's like dude there's still a lot to play it has been a slow year in terms of like triple a output that is true yes. particularly third party third party this year has been just brutal it really has um like in terms of your AAA flagship, the games are topping NPD every month. It's been pretty brutal, but um, there's still a ton to play. There's all kinds of gems. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting conversations about the industry as a whole, and there's parallels to the film industry where you yep. gotta have the important balance between the big blockbusters and, and the the smaller scale like indies and, and projects like that. Both yep. have their their place. Whereas me, like I don't see most Marvel movies in theaters because I'm just I'm so far behind. I have no <laughs> hope or delusion of ever catching up at this point. But that yeah. being said, that energy is infectious and contagious. And yeah. same in the video game space. When you have that big game that everyone is talking about, mm -hmm. even if it isn't something you would normally play, chances are the more and more you hear about it, the more you're considering playing it. And we haven't had yeah. one of those really it's since been a while. Elden Ring. Elden Ring, yeah, Elden Ring, honestly. It's kind of crazy, like, because uh, there has been all kinds of good stuff. But yeah, the last game that like blew up, you know, all of talk, I think it was Elden Ring, and that was February, which is kind of wild. Yeah, it, it's, and again, Elden Ring stoked from software and Bandai, yeah. like, let's go, nothing to compete. We're just going to be number one Top. on NPD for the entire year. Let's go. 
And, and I will say one thing one thing that's nice in a way about the AAA output being a little bit lower this year is that we're seeing some indies really break out. You saw Colts of the Lamb do amazing. Yeah. Over a million players in a week, which for an indie game is amazing. We saw Stray blow up. Um, you know, we've seen Sifu do really well. So we've seen a lot of like smaller games this year kind of get to break out a little bit more, I think. And part of that is because of less competition. So that's cool, too. That's one cool positive out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, I guess maybe forcing people to consider games they wouldn't play yeah. normally because mm -hmm. I won't, I don't think it's widespread, but you do see people kind of downplay indie games like, oh, this is just an indie game. I don't want to yeah. play it. Um, yeah. But I think more and more people are realizing that a lot of games in the indie space are doing things that the, the AAA space isn't doing and they still have mm -hmm. value, even though they aren't the biggest budget game ever made. 100%. Yep. So it's exciting. It's an exciting, the industry right now, as we look towards the future, as we look towards what's happening, it's really exciting because clearly more and more people are willing to invest in the games industry and in the perfect, in a perfect world, as more and more people invest, we will get more games and theoretically better games because the competition will be higher. And these companies really are going to have to deliver something that people want to buy because if it's not great, people are just going to move on to the next game that's coming out next week. And that game is forever <laughs> forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. And for everyone that just wants AAA games, don't worry. Next year, your wallet will disintegrate because you will have 20 million AAA games to play next year. Dude, oh, yeah. We're, uh, we got... Because so much of it is going to be games that was supposed to be 2022 anyways, and now they're going to be next year. One more time, I will reiterate for publishers around the world. Spread it out. Please. It does not have to be February and March because now we're looking at a, a window where we could have... Resident Evil 4, we could have Breath of the Wild, we could have Jedi Survivor, we could have Redfall, we could Dead have... Dead Space is going to be January, which is right before that. We could have Diablo, we could have... What else was recently? Like, there Plus, are... there's, a, there's a ton of games that just say early 2023, like tons of them. It's like, which could slot in anywhere in there. Just please, just know, just know that it is impossible for all of these games to sell in the way that you want them to. Yeah, if they're all on top of each other, no way. There's no way. We only have so much time and so much money. So please, yep. for everyone's sake, for your sake, <clears throat> for the sake of the game, for the sake of your teams, for the <laughs> sake of our wallets, spread it out, please. I beg of you. Especially summer. Summer this year in particular was like, oh my goodness, this summer has been... And we've seen games do amazing in June, for example. June has been a great month for games, whenever games actually get in that slot. So put them yeah. in summer too. Yeah. Exactly. We see it all the time with the, the film industry, movies that aren't the biggest movie ever, but don't have any competition that just explode because yep. there's nothing else around as opposed to it, you don't ever see all of the biggest movies launching in the same week. That doesn't mm -hmm. ever happen. Yeah. And it, and it comes from an old school belief that, oh, it's the summertime. So kids and stuff want to go outside and play. Y'all, it's 2022. Kids do not want to go outside and play. They want to sit in their room and they want to play video games, whether it's January or June. <laughs> That's what they want to do. You can put a game out any month and those kids will be in their room and they will be playing video games. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Out, going outside is increasingly overrated exactly increasingly <laughs> overrated all right there's a Why reason everyone says touch grass <laughs> <laughs> oh dope all right man well that is gonna do it for our show today we covered a lot of great stuff appreciate you having you on huge shout out to all the amazing people who tuned in live one more time for all the amazing folks who joined us 
let them know where they can find you. Yep. So thanks for having me so much uh, on, man. It was a blast. Had a ton of fun. Always have fun uh, being here three times. What an honor. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, did we lose him? Benji, no. <laughs> oh, he's frozen for me. Um, I'll come back whenever you hear wait, you, but I wait, don't know if you can hear okay. me. We lost you for a second. I'm Benji. Back? You're back. All right. Okay. Sorry. I'll make this quick. I don't know what happened. So anyways, thank you for having me on. It's an honor. I'd love to be back again whenever. You guys rock. I'm Benji Sales. Follow me on Twitter if you're not already. Benji Sales on Twitter. I talk about video game industry. Uh, I'm on YouTube. Benji Sales as well. And hey, at least my internet lasted until the last second. So, you know. Hey, we almost had a completely flawless run. Made it to the finish almost. line. One step away from the finish line. But again, appreciate you, dude. Love having you on. I am sure I will ask you back again. And if you guys haven't followed Benji, which I'm sure most of you do, yeah, support him. He does a lot of amazing work. And... That is going to do it for this week's episode of Xbox Chatterdays. Have an amazing weekend, and we will catch y'all next week. Take care, everybody.